Nobody likes a hypocrite. Hey there, this is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we are reading through the entire Bible in a year. Welcome. I'm so happy to see you today. How are you? Yesterday, I intended to talk a little bit more to you about the 17th anniversary of LifeSpring Media, and it completely slipped my mind. So I will be getting to that today. And speaking of today, our reading is 1 Corinthians 3 through 5, and I'm calling the episode Nothing to be Proud of. And yes, I know that's not proper grammar. It's not grammar of which I am proud. See, I know. But when you know the rule, it's okay to break it once in a while, ain't it? <laughs> I've got comments on both chapters today, and after my comments, we'll learn what happened on this date in church history. I'll talk about the anniversary coming up. I've got some comments from family members, and I've even got some music for you today. So, are you ready to get going? Well, then let's do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 Brothers and sisters, when I was there, I could not talk to you the way I talk to people who are led by the Spirit. I had to talk to you like ordinary people of the world. You were like babies in Christ. And the teaching I gave you was like milk, not solid food. I did this because you were not ready for solid food. And even now you are not ready. You are still not following the Spirit. You are jealous of each other, and you are always arguing with each other. This shows that you are still following your own selfish desires. You are acting like ordinary people of the world. One of you says, I follow Paul. And someone else says, I follow Apollos. When you say things like that, you are acting like people of the world. Is Apollos so important? Is Paul so important? We are only servants of God who helped you believe. Each one of us did the work God gave us to do. I planted the seed, and Apollos watered it. But God is the one who made the seed grow. So the one who plants is not important, and the one who waters is not important. Only God is important, because He is the one who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have the same purpose, and each one will be rewarded for his own work. We are workers together for God, and you are like a farm that belongs to God, and you are a house that belongs to God. Like an expert builder, I built the foundation of that house. I used the gift that God gave me to do this. Other people are building on that foundation, but everyone should be careful how they build. The foundation that has already been built is Jesus Christ, and no one can build any other foundation. People can build on that foundation using gold, silver, jewels, wood, grass, or straw. But the work that each person does will be clearly seen because the day will make it plain. That day will appear with fire, and the fire will test everyone's work. If the building they put on the foundation still stands, they will get their reward. But if their building is burned up, they will suffer loss. They will be saved, but it will be like someone escaping from a fire. You should know that you yourselves are God's temple. God's Spirit lives in you. If you destroy God's temple, God will destroy you, because God's temple is holy. You yourselves are God's temple. Don't fool yourselves. Whoever thinks they are wise in this world should become a fool. That's the only way they can be wise. I say this because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, He catches those who think they are wise in their own clever traps. The scriptures also say, 
The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows that their thoughts are worth nothing. So there is not a person on earth that any of you should be boasting about. Everything is yours. Paul, Apollos, Peter, the world, life, death, the present, and the future. All these are yours. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 Let a man regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you, or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness, and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why did you boast as if you had not received it? You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we also might reign with you. For, I think, God has exhibited us apostles last of all, as men condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour we are both hungry and thirsty, and are poorly clothed, and are roughly treated, and are homeless, and we toil, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out, not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love, and a spirit of gentleness? 1 Corinthians chapter 5 It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, and immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, 
I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven, so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with a leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world, or with the covetous and swindlers, or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Well, in chapter 4 today, uh, at the beginning of the chapter, Paul is reinforcing his qualifications with the Corinthian church. They didn't recognize his apostolic authority, so he's instructing them on his position and how they ought to think of him. He says that they should think of him and the other apostles as servants of Christ. Now, there are several different Greek words that we translate as servant. The Greek word used here is hyperetis, which is a subordinate servant working as a free man. The more common Greek word is doulos, which is a common slave. Hyperetis literally translated means under rower. Think of a big galley ship. They had many, many men who rowed, and an under rower acted without question, under the direction of the one in charge. In the apostles' case, they answered only to Christ. And then Paul said that the Corinthians should also think of the apostles as stewards. And a steward was the manager of a household. And in relation to the master of the house, the steward was a slave. But in relation to the other slaves, he was a master. Commentator Adam Clark put it this way, The steward was the master's deputy in regulating the concerns of the family providing food for the household, seeing it served out at proper times and seasons, and in proper quantities. He received all the cash, expended what was necessary for the support of the family, and kept exact accounts for which he was obliged at certain times to lay before the master. So, after laying this out to the church at Corinth, Paul told them that it didn't really matter much to him that they had such a low regard for him, since he answered only to Christ. And he said that not even his own judgment of himself mattered, but only the judgment of the one he served. So I'm bringing this out because without the proper understanding of the first five verses, one might think that it was wrong to judge anyone. And as you heard, chapter 5 clearly teaches that judging others is sometimes appropriate. So speaking of chapter 5, let's talk about that now. You've heard it before, right? Someone is doing something that is patently wrong, and when they're called on it, they drag out the old judge not that ye be not judged line. Or someone fails to take a stand on an immoral issue or person because they think it's not up to them to judge. Well, after reading chapter 5, what do you say? It sounds pretty clear to me that Paul encouraged the people of the church at Corinth to get the sinning person out of their fellowship. I think that would be classified as judging, wouldn't it? So then, what did Jesus mean when he told us not to judge? 
As is usually the case, it's helpful to look at the context. The scripture is found in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Let me read it to you. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, what Jesus was really talking about here was hypocrisy, wasn't it? He wasn't talking about judgment, and as you know, he wasn't very keen on hypocrites. That's something even non-religious people today have in common with our Lord. Nobody likes a hypocrite. So now, let's get back to chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. To look at evil and call it evil is something that we're called to do often in Scripture. To call someone on their sin is right if it's done with love and a goal to restore them to right living and fellowship. We want to bring them to repentance. James 5.20 says, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So here's the bottom line. Keep your account with God clear. As much as is humanly possible, live your life in such a way that you will not be in danger of hypocrisy when you're called to confront sin. A few weeks ago, we read Matthew chapter 5. And in verses 13 through 16 in the fifth chapter of Matthew, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. If we allow the kind of compromise, especially in our own lives, that was in the church at Corinth, how can we be salt and light in a lost and dying world? I'd love to hear what you think. Now, I've got something new here. You can still comment on the show at comment.lifespringmedia.com or you can email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com, but... I'd really like it if you'd comment on the show notes page for this episode. And starting today with this episode, I'm making it easier for you to find each episode's show notes page. I should have thought of this earlier, but sometimes I'm a little slow. So here's how it works. This is season 12 of the show, and it's the 69th episode. So the number for this episode is S12E69, lowercase s12, lowercase e69. So the show notes page is lifespringmedia.com slash s12e69. So to comment, go to that page and scroll down to the bottom. You'll see a section called Comment on the Show down there at the bottom with a box to type in your comment. That's an easy-peasy way to give your feedback. And I'll read some of your comments on the show. I do want to hear from you. Tomorrow we're going to read Genesis chapters 36 through 39. We got some comments on the Matthew 26 through 28 show. The lovely Lady Leanne said a comment in. It's so funny when she does this. I love that she does it. She could just talk to me, but she likes me to have content to share with you. And I'd like to encourage you to send these kind of comments in too. But here's what she said. 
She's commenting on the part of the chapter where I talked about the people that were resurrected um, after Jesus was. And in that episode, you remember, I gave a couple of different opinions as to who people thought these resurrected people were. All right, there's your context. Leanne said, It is my humble opinion that Christ would bring forward the believers that had died of the same time. This would allow those who were living to know these people and to see the greatest miracle of Christ's life. This would allow them to share the gospel to some who might not be believing or who had drawn into the shadows out of fear. I also don't think that God would send them back to the grave after miraculously giving them second life. It's my thought that he would bring them home to be with him. These, of course, she says, are my speculations, but I think if he had enough love to allow them to walk the earth a second time, I cannot imagine him sending them back to the grave. Well, sweetheart, I can't say that I disagree. Thank you for the comment. And then I got a boostergram from Sean from San Pedro. He sent a 500-sat boostergram while listening to the same episode. And at the end of my comments, you might remember I said, we should proclaim the truth with boldness. Amen? And Sean said in his boostergram, amen. (laughs) It's good to get an amen. Thank you, Sean. And thank you for streaming those sats, brother. Much appreciated. And there are some of you who are streaming sats, and I do thank you. Every evening I look at the report that comes in at 5 o'clock, and it's really an encouragement when I see that you're listening. I have no idea who's listening on the stream sats, but it thrills my heart to see that people are. You guys are all awesome. Thank you. And speaking of feedback, the survey is still open at lifespringmedia.com survey. A few more of you came in today and uh, spent the two minutes or so that it takes to complete it since yesterday's show, and I appreciate that very much. I'd like to get those of you that haven't yet done so to please go to lifespringmedia.com survey and uh, spend a couple of minutes. Really, it hardly takes any time at all, and I really do want and value your opinion. As I said, the first nine questions are quick, multiple-choice questions. All you got to do is click or tap on them to answer. And then there's one at the bottom that asks if there's anything you'd like to change about the show. Take a couple of minutes if you have ideas for the show that you'd like to see me implement. It's completely anonymous. Your data and your identity are safe. And once I close the survey and have time to digest the results, I'll let you know what I learned. Again, that's lifespringmedia.com survey. Get on over there right now while you're thinking about it. Thank you. This date in church history, November 7, 1637. Controversial colonial American religious leader Anne Hutchinson is convicted of heresy and banished from the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Okay. This is a fascinating person. I had never heard of her, so I did a little bit of research today. Very briefly, this conviction of heresy, in my opinion, was a bit like the Sanhedrin convicting Jesus of blasphemy. The Puritans were dominant at that time in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, and their theology was based on works. And Hutchinson's conviction was that grace is the basis of salvation. And because she was garnering quite a big following, the Puritans didn't want her around, so they banished her from the colony. And she moved to an area near an ancient landmark called Split Rock, which is now, get this, the Bronx in New York City. And you may have heard of some of her descendants. How about this list? Franklin Delano Roosevelt, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, and then also the guy that ran against Abraham Lincoln, this guy's name was Stephen Douglas. 
How about George Romney and Mitt Romney? Other descendants include Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, Melville Weston Fuller, and Associate Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, and the President of Harvard University, Charles William Eliot, and actor, get this, Ted Danson. (laughs) One descendant bearing the Hutchinson name was her great-great-grandson, Thomas Hutchinson, who was a loyalist governor of the province of Massachusetts Bay at the time of the Boston Tea Party. So, yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, you should go and look her up on Wikipedia if you're a history buff at all. Again, her name is Anne with an E, A-A-N-N-E, Hutchinson, not Hutchison, Hutchinson. All right. Also on this date in church history, 1918, William Franklin Graham was born. You probably know him better as Billy Graham. He was converted at 16 under revivalist Mordecai Ham and he began his evangelistic career in 1944 with Youth for Christ. In 1950, he founded the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and went on to conduct evangelistic crusades all over the world, and during his meetings, more than two million individuals came forward to accept Christ. So we are coming up this coming Saturday, November 13th, will be the 17th anniversary of LifeSpring Media. Yep, I uploaded my very first show, and that was the very first Christian podcast. Please do let me know if you'd like me to talk a little bit about the early days of of podcasting. I won't spend much time on it on that show, but if you'd like to know more about it, let me know. you got to email me, let me know. So far, a couple of people have said yes. No one has said no. If if you're not interested, let me know that too. I don't want to bore you. But uh, to help me celebrate, I've got some anniversary palindrome donation amounts to suggest. Of course, a palindrome is a number that is the same forward as it is backward. So how about $17.71 or 7117? Or how about 171.71? These are just suggestions, just kind of having fun with numbers. Anyone who sends any of these donation amounts in, I'll give you a special thanks on the show. And this week only, for any donation over $50, if you'll email me your address, I'll send you a signed copy of my book, Webb's Easy Bible Names Pronunciation Guide. Here's the deal, though. Your donation, yes, your donation, makes the show possible. As you may have noticed, we don't have any cheesy advertisers here, because advertising equals censorship. And the Word of God will not be censored on the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible. So, I rely on you. If you think the uncensored message of God's Word is valuable, I'm counting on you to support the show. I need you. There's no other way to say it. No donations means no show. I can't do this on my own. To make a dollar donation, go to support.lifespringmedia.com. To send sats, you do that with one of those shiny new podcast apps you find at newpodcastapps.com. And by the way, um, you guys that send Boostergrams, you can customize your Boostergram amounts to these uh, palindrome numbers as well. It'd be kind of fun to get some of these different numbers in the uh, Boostergrams. Just an idea. Now, another way you can participate in Value for Value and help me with a show is by contributing episode art. Depending on the podcast app you're using, you may have noticed that every episode has different art. And by the way, I'm going to say it again. If your podcast app doesn't show that to you, get a better one at newpodcastapps.com. On the latest uh, No Agenda show, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak were talking about the art that had been chosen for their previous episode. And 
Well, here, just listen to this clip. Thank you so much, Nestworks. Thank, thank you to all of the artists because this was a, a really a, a great selection. So on the No Agenda show, people create show art based on the topics that Adam and John talk about, and they submit the art as the show is in progress. Over there, they stream the show live, which I obviously don't do. Okay, now back to the clips. Because this was a, a really a, a great selection, completely unique to this, to this podcast. No other podcast has this. Very few. If, if, if there's 10 that change their artwork for every single show, that would be rare. And then John and Adam talked about why having unique show art for each episode is so great. This is the highest possible level of art you can have for show In art. Fact, on a, that's one of the things that... Twice weekly. Yeah, I think that Rogan makes a big mistake. I don't know if he still does it on Spotify, but um, a big mistake. He always just has the same picture of the desk from the same spot with the, with the, with the guest in question and Joe, and then really big the episode number. So if you look down that list, it just, you know, you're looking at episode numbers. It's, there's nothing that jumps out. Nothing. Whereas, you know, this is a great visual cue. It's fun and it works. It's great promotion for the show. So, yeah, I'm one of the 10 at least. Um, I've been doing unique art for each episode since last season's episode number 148. So that's almost 280 episodes or 280 unique pieces of show art I've done. And here's the thing. I would love it if some of you would help out. At this point, we can't do it like they do at No Agenda because I don't live stream and each episode is only about uh, 20 minutes long. No Agenda show is about three hours long, so the artists have time to create the art and set it in by the end of the show so they can select art for that specific show that the art has been created for. Get what I'm saying there? But I do post the reading schedule at lifespringmedia.com read. Did you get that? lifespringmedia.com read is where the reading schedule is. So you can see what's coming up and you can create art that will go along with the scriptures that we will be reading. And then send it to me in advance, and I can use it for the show. And when I record that show, I'll give you credit on the show and in the show notes for that art in that episode. If you want to take a crack at it, I've got some Photoshop layers and some font files to get you started at lifespringmedia.com art. And by the way, you can see all the past art there, so you, you can see what I've been doing. Now, just because I've been doing it one way doesn't mean you have to. I want to see how creative you can be. I know there have to be some artists out there, so let me see what you got. So that's two links for you. Lifespringmedia.com read is where the upcoming reading schedule is. And the assets for making the art and all the past show art is at lifespringmedia.com art. Okay, prayer requests. I got a text from Dell today, and he said, Yesterday, Kathy had a marathon day at City of Hope. After reviewing her PET scan, they had a follow-up x-ray and a CT scan. And the oncologist told us that she had another tumor in her left shoulder. I'm backing away here from Dell's text. So, among other things, Kathy has bone cancer. She's had breast cancer. She's had uh, cancer in in, uh, different parts of her muscles and things like that. Uh, But right now, what she's been battling is bone cancer. And now she has a tumor in her left shoulder, the scapula. And the doctor said, back to Adele, it's too deep to remove. So they scheduled her for radiation yesterday at 6 p.m. So the very same day they discovered it, they did radiation. They wanted to zap that thing right quick. Um, She got home at around 8.30, Dell says, exhausted from the whirlwind day. 
She's resting comfortably on a new regimen of drugs for her pain. So, obviously, we need to continue prayer for Kathy. And then please remember to pray for Leanne's surgery tomorrow. I'll be checking Leanne in at 12.15 Pacific Time. So, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in it. Your heart of love and grace is so clear, and we can't help but respond to you with our love. I pray, Lord, that the radiation that Kathy got on this new bone tumor is effective in eliminating that tumor, Lord. I ask that you heal all the cancer in her body. She's had it for so many years, and she's still with us, so I know that you have a plan for her. I'm just humbly asking in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would give her a miracle. Heal her, Lord. Dell needs her, and how wonderful it would be to see her healed completely. She's in your hands, and I know that you love her infinitely more than than we do. And so I know that what you do with her is right. But you said that we have not because we ask not. So I'm asking again that you heal Kathy in Jesus' name. And I pray for Leanne's surgery tomorrow, Lord, that everything goes well. May there be no complications, and may her recovery be quick and uneventful, Lord. Guide the doctor's hands and make this his best ever operation. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing this wonderful LifeSpring family together. I pray that the words I say on the show are your words, Lord, not mine. And I pray that each person takes something from the show every day that helps them in their walk with you. I pray they and I get a better understanding of who you are every single day. Help us to think about the scriptures we read and make them a part of who we are. May your Holy Spirit use this show to make us more like you. I pray, Lord, that you meet the needs of every LifeSpring family member today, and I pray that we would be aware of your presence every moment of the day. Give us opportunities, Lord, to share Jesus, and then give us the courage to speak when you give us those moments. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Send your prayer requests in at prayer.lifespringmedia.com. I'll pray for you in my prayer time, and we'll pray on the show together. Before I go, one of the survey responses I got from the survey said, I love it when you surprise us by adding a song or music to the show. Well, very cool. Thank you for that. Your wish is my command. Every so often, I will continue to do that. And there's no time like the present. Let's start with this one. I've mentioned before that I was around during the Jesus movement in the 70s, and I've talked about some of the pioneers of Jesus music. Well, In 2008, I had one of the greatest thrills of my life when I interviewed not just a pioneer, but a founder of the Jesus music genre. I interviewed him on the LifeSpring podcast, and I'll have a link on the show notes page to that episode. His name is Chuck Girard, and he was a member of the band Love Song. Some of you oldsters listening right now are probably saying, yeah, I remember him. Well, Chuck gave his permission for me to play some of his music, so after I sign off, I'm going to play one of the songs from those early days. This is a newer version of the song, but it's still a great song of praise. It's called Sometimes Alleluia. And before I go, Chuck's website is chuckgerard.com, and he wrote a book last year about his days in the music business as a session musician before he was a Christian, and he was a member of the Castells, if you remember those. Um, In the book, he talks about meeting the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson, uh, his years as a hippie and all that encompassed, and then up to finding Jesus at a church called Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa with a preacher named Chuck Smith. This book is on my Christmas list. It's called Rock and Roll Preacher. You can buy it at Amazon. 
In our interview, Chuck and I talked about a lot of this, um, and it was just a fun interview, and uh, well, I guess I've talked enough, so I'm going to get out of here. Please remember to go to lifespringmedia.com and take the survey if you haven't yet. And if you want to help with the show art, go to lifespringmedia.com art. Go to support.lifespringmedia.com to help support the show. And remember some of the anniversary donation amounts. And this week only for any donation over $50, I'll send you a signed copy of my book, Webb's Easy Bible Names Pronunciation Guide. All right, I guess that's enough. Up next, Chuck Gerard. sometimes hallelujah. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thanks for being here. I'm Steve Webb. Enjoy the music. Bye. Sometimes hallelujah. Sometimes praise the Lord. Sometimes gently singing. Our hearts in one accord. It's all singing. Sometimes hallelujah Sometimes praise the Lord Sometimes gently singing Our hearts in one lift our voices look toward the sky and start to sing let us now return his love just let our voices ring Oh, let us feel His presence Let the sound of praises fill the air Let us sing the song of Jesus' love To people Sometimes hallelujah Sometimes praise the Lord Sometimes gently singing Our hearts in one Let our joy be unconfined Let us sing with freedom unrestrained Let's take this feeling that we're feeling now Take it outside these walls and let it rain Oh, Holy Spirit As we are filled from head to toe 
We love you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we want this world to know. Sometimes all Sometimes praise the Lord Sometimes gently sing Our hearts 